Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking News is on the air now. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Get in on the conversation with Mark Willis at 888-876-2336. Road Dog Trucking News starts right now. Only on Road Dog Trucking Radio. Drivers, want to welcome you to the Wednesday edition of Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking News. Good to have you on board, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you may be listening to the sound of my dulcet tones all across North America. Welcome in. Good to have you on board. And as the young lady mentioned, a phone number to call into the show. It is 888-876-2336, Road Dog. Now, every single program, guys, if you've been with me for a while, you'll notice that I give out the phone number because I want you to call in and to be part of the conversation, be part of the discussion. I want to give you a voice in the things that are going on out there when it comes to news, traffic, weather. That's what I cover here on the program uh, for two hours, 2 to 4 Eastern, 1 to 3 Central, every Monday through Friday. A lot of stuff going on in the world today that certainly affects the supply chain. It affects the trucking industry, and man, I want you guys to be heard. So feel free. You are welcome to jump in. I'm going to open up the phone lines. Tim Ashoff is going to be joining me in just a minute. He's the president and CWO of Crete Carrier. And I want you to call in. Feel free to bring questions up with Tim concerning some of the things going on in the industry, like the hours of service, if you want to talk about that. If you want to talk about the infrastructure, we're going to talk about the FAST Act. Uh, so uh, come on in. Every caller is certainly welcome here to the program. Before we get started, let me update you quickly on what's going on with some of the weather that you certainly do need to be aware of. The northeastern United States is going to be a battleground between chilly air from eastern Canada and warm air trying to push north from the southern United States right on through the end of the week. Now the heat is really going to be building up across the northeast this afternoon This on this Wednesday as the cold front approaches from the northwest we're looking at maybe 90 degrees in some parts of the east so i'll update the weather 20 minutes after also at the bottom of the hour dan ronan is going to be joining me on the program live from chicago and uh, he is on the road covering a story and i've got him calling in ladies and gentlemen to talk about how logistics company dhl is opening its first ever innovation center near Chicago's O'Hare Airport. This is a big story uh, because it is a way for the company to work with its customers to improve efficiency as e-commerce is now becoming a much larger part of the world economy. So Dan's going to be on board from the great city of Chicago coming up at the bottom of the hour. So there you go. I've set the table for you. Come on in and join us and be part of the conversation across North America for this Wednesday live right here on Sirius XM. All right, great to always bring on board Tim Ashoff, president and CWO of Crete. And, uh, Tim, I want to welcome you back to the program. It was great to see you in Dallas at the Great American Truck Show, sir. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's always great to be on. I, I certainly enjoy talking with you, but uh, really enjoy you know, hearing from your listeners and being able to try to share whatever wisdom I can about uh, our perspective on the industry. Oh, it is quite an industry, to say the very least. Uh, so many great things that are going on out there these days, uh, from uh, new entrants coming into the industry, new folks wanting to get on board. Uh, we had some great freight rates last year. 
Uh, but still, rates have cooled off just a little bit. But uh, overall, we are still looking very good in the trucking industry, aren't we? Yes, you know, I, I, I have a odd time watching some of the uh, other uh, news out there saying, "Hey, we're you know we're hitting a recession, or things are going so poorly." And at the same time, I'm I'm looking at our freight levels, and and certainly they're strong. We're talking to our customers and and saying, "Yes, our, our customers grew a lot last year, but but they're not seeing their volume go backwards now. They may not be growing as much, but certainly last year was a great year, mm-hmm. and they still have uh, high levels of loads to be hauled. I, I think things are being hauled differently. Um, you're not seeing as much out there on the spot market." seeing more on a a contracted market or or smoothed out, uh, not as much uh, seasonal items that are moving right when they need to, but the the supply chain's adjusting to that. But, you know, it's full employment out there. Our our customers are talking about having a hard time finding enough workers in the warehouses, which I'm sure some of your listeners have experienced uh, maybe some loading or unloading times that have been uh, not as efficient as they needed to be because of that. So, you know, a lot of demand out there uh, from the consumer side, uh, just a lot of really good things going on in the economy. So uh, sometimes I, I think uh, you know. I have to wonder what some of the news outlets are reporting, uh, and am I missing something? But uh, I, I probably am. So who knows? No, understood. Absolutely. Well, and that's the great thing about being in the trucking industry and in the supply chain that there are so many different platforms that are doing exceedingly well. I mean, really doing extremely well, uh, being profitable, of course, being safe. That's the key mission for so many different organizations. You have to be efficient, but you've got to do it safely, don't you? It all starts with safety. I mean, you cannot um, stay uh, in business short-term or long-term if you're not focused on safety because certainly the safety of, of all of you, the drivers out there, is the most important. And if, if we as a company didn't recognize that and that wasn't our culture, uh, we wouldn't have uh, you know the good quality drivers we have for us. And then certainly you know, you sharing the road out there uh, with the motoring public and being safe and delivering cargo um, safely and, and on time is the way you all do. Uh, that's what keeps our industry going. Oh, absolutely. And I know, of course, you are following everything going on out of the nation's capital uh, because uh, the legislative policy directives that come down the hill uh, from D.C. can, in some cases, make or break uh, the industry. I mean, we've got uh, a situation where uh, there have been a lot of complicated rules and regulations. The great thing about trucking is been able to navigate uh, through, of course, a lot of this, the freight is getting to where it needs to go. And you, of course, talk with folks on Capitol Hill about things that have a direct impact on the industry. I know the subcommittee on highways and transit uh, hearing on pricing and technology strategies is meeting today, as a matter of fact, and they are addressing uh, congestion and the financing of America's roads. Uh, talk about the significance of that meeting and what this is going to mean for the trucking industry. Well, I think the the key to anything that we talk about in infra- infrastructure always does come down to how do you finance it. And certainly um, many different uh, ideas have been placed out there. Um, you know, we do need a lot more infrastructure. We need to improve our existing infrastructure. So it is a question generally of, of how do we pay for it. I think this subcommittee, as I understand it, is really looking at um, where is, where's the most congestion. So, you know, Manhattan and the, in the loop in Chicago or, or closer to those downtown areas. Is there a way to even kind of carve those pieces out and get some progress made there? Because, you know, unfortunately, overall, we haven't made as much progress as we need to as a country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a way we can look at financing those specific areas. Um, again, then you start talking about 
pros and cons of that do you have? You know, I believe they're talking about some maybe intercity tolling or mm-hmm. time of day congestion pricing, where if you drive in the streets during this time of day, you get uh, charged in essence a toll. Mm-hmm. How do you collect that? Who does that really apply to? Um, who does that really help and who does it really hurt? So um, as with any other infrastructure piece, um, this congestion uh, is a challenge, and it often comes down to how do you pay for it. Okay, absolutely. Now, the FAST Act, that is uh, coming up for consideration very soon, the Highway Transportation Reauthorization Bill. I think the uh, reauthorization is going to be expiring next September. We've got a year now uh, to work all of this out. Uh, components of the of the FAST Act, where are we with this measure? Fuel tax, combination of tolling, maybe some additional uh, financial platforms that might come into consideration for this. Yeah, I think uh, we're hearing about a little bit of everything because, again, it, it's how do we, you know, reauthorize uh, the, the highway bill? How can yeah. we try to grow the funding that's there to, you know, highway bill is often used to um, maintain existing infrastructure. Uh, and, you know, we, we talked about a larger overall infrastructure bill to grow that earlier this year and even in the last year, and unfortunately not a lot of progress has been made on that. But, yeah, coming back down again to how do we fund um, the highway uh, bill, of course, we have the highway trust fund out there, which fuel tax has been a big part of funding that. Mm -hmm. Um, We know as an industry, and I think all of your listeners know out there too, that we need to improve our infrastructure. We need to not only maintain uh, the infrastructure we have, but there's many parts of the country where we need to add to it. And so we do need to fund it. And yeah, I'd say we as a company, and I think uh, generally we as an industry have said, you know, fuel tax has been an efficient way to uh, collect uh, funding and uh, somewhat a fair way to uh, spread that across users. Uh, now I know things are changing with uh, fuel-efficient vehicles, electric vehicles, and things. But at, at, at the core of our uh, country, yet that's still a big part of our transportation. So I, we've been in favor of you know increasing that fuel tax uh, as long as that all that money mm-hmm. goes to infrastructure. And so we'll see if we can. Um, Work with that um, throughout this next you know year through before next September when that expires, uh, and hopefully we will get some additional funding here authorized so we can get the much needed infrastructure improvements. When you look at uh, some of the other things that are under consideration right now, the uh, federal uh, tax that is imposed on the purchase of new trucks and trailers has got to be a consideration that uh, has got to find a remedy uh, for the trucking industry. I know a group of organizations sent a letter onto the Congress before the August recess, encouraging Congress to reduce or eliminate that federal excise tax and uh, maybe find a replacement for the revenue in the next authorization bill. The letter went to the Hill right before the August recess at the end of July. What does that do to the cost of operations in trucking when you've got that 12% cost or tax imposed on the purchase of new trucks and trailers? What does that do for a group? Well, you know, as I understand it, I think a lot of what those groups are saying is, you know, the upfront 12% tax. So, you know, depending on what you're paying for uh, the price of a new vehicle, so you know, that could be a tax of, you know, 10 to 20 thousand dollars on that uh, new truck out there, depending on what you're getting. And is that tax itself actually being prohibitive? For new purchases being made, that may be of more um, safe vehicles because of the uh, systems they have them on now, more fuel-efficient vehicles. So is that tax 
um, you know, being prohibitive on that, uh, the, that companies aren't making those new purchases. I think the key, though, to your question is, is what does that do to operating costs as well? What do they do to replace that revenue? Because, mm-hmm. uh, as I just mentioned before, um, I don't see a lot of Congress saying we're going to lower uh, taxes anymore uh, related to infrastructure because we need to, um, you know, improve infrastructure. So, um, yes, it would. It would. It, our operating costs would go down on an upfront front, upfront purchase of a truck because we wouldn't have that tax. But what do they replace it with, and how does that impact our operations? So, I guess without knowing what that is, it's hard to say is this a good thing or not. Yeah, drivers, hey, jump in if you want to talk with Tim Mashaw, president and CEO of Crete Carrier. He's on the phone line with me right now, and uh, from time to time. I'd like to bring on chief executive officers of some of the uh, industry leaders out there in trucking. And Tim is on to talk about pretty much uh, what's going on in the industry, talking about the policies that lawmakers are looking at, finding ways to fund the infrastructure and pay uh, for uh, all of this. I want to get Tim's thoughts on the hours of service. That is a big uh, topic of conversation among so many drivers out there. And Tim, I was reading uh, an article just the other day, as a matter of fact, and uh, so far we have had about a 1,000 folks weigh in on the Federal Register to the five uh, policy considerations that the FMCSA has uh, put out there. And the uh, FMCSA has got a second public listening session on the notice of proposed rulemaking for the hours of service. It is going to be coming up September the 17th. In Washington, D.C., what is your, your first impression of the five components that are under consideration? Are you hearing from a lot of your drivers about how effective this might be or how unsafe these new ideas might be? You know, I think overall um, the, the reaction has been positive, and I would say my, my personal view of that are, is generally positive of these uh, five proposals as well. I think the FMCSA has been working really hard to balance, um, you know, the need for safety, and that's everyone's goal, as we talked at the, at the top here, that that's what we all want, uh, balancing that with the practicalities of being an over-the-road driver in particular. And, um, you, you know, as you look at these, as you look at what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish, I do believe they are trying to balance those two. Uh, and the great thing is, as I and I've had conversations with uh, a lot of, of the folks there at the FMCSA, is that they want to listen. They want to try to make that mm-hmm. right balance, uh, more so than I, in, in my experience in 17 years in the industry than, in, than ever before. So um, I, I, I'm glad to see that so many people have commented. Uh, I'm glad uh, I, a lot of your listeners are, are part of those commenting um, so we can help work together and say what's a safe, practical solution on hours of service. One of the interesting uh, comments from FMCSA Administrator Ray Martinez when I interviewed him about uh, two, three weeks ago, uh, that uh, once a final decision is made, once all of the comments are registered and the FMCSA has got a chance to review it, then they're going to put out a final rule on this. But this is not going to be the end of the uh, story, so to speak, because the industry is constantly changing. And Mr. Martinez mentioned that because of that fact of the industry constantly changing, there are going to be continual changes to the hours of service. So this is not one and done here, all said and done. We are going to see revisions from time to time with these rules, aren't we? 
Yes, I believe that should be the case. Uh, and I think as long as uh, uh, Mr. Martinez and this administration's in office, that will be the case. Um, but, you know, uh, we have different administrations and, and that's different leadership at FMCSA. So we always have to kind of see, um, you know, what that leadership will do. Uh, I do believe as long as uh, this administration and Mr. Martinez are there, they will continue to evolve um, with the industry, with technology. I mean, yeah, quite honestly, yeah. a lot of this, these changes are, are the FMCSA is able to make these because of advances in technology. When you look at uh, some of the components of the uh, that are out there for consideration, the FMCSA is uh, proposing to increase safety and flexibility for the 30-minute break rule by tying that break requirement to the eight hours of driving time without an interruption for at least 30 minutes and then allowing that break to be satisfied by a driver using on-duty, not driving status rather than uh, off-duty. And they're also proposing allowing drivers to split the required 10 hours off-duty into two periods. Uh, In essence, with all of the math that's going on with this, the extension of the hours and things like that, we're not talking about a change in the amount of driving time available to the drivers, but just giving them more power uh, to control what they're doing out there behind the wheel. The number of hours aren't changing in the driving day, are they? No, they're not, but I think what they're trying to achieve, and I think they're taking good steps towards it, is is actually improving safety uh, with these adjustments because a lot of what this will do is it will give that driver that true ability to say, look, I I know I'm, I'm – uh, you talk to drivers, and there's sure. very few that ever would say that I, I'm able uh, or ever do drive eight hours solid. Um, they're, they're taking breaks after you know three or four hours, get right. out, stretch, go use uh, the facilities, those types of things. So if we can have some flexibilities on how that half-hour break and that eight-hour time period is done, they may be stopping for fuel, um, and that's uh, you know may take them depending on uh, the fuel stop may take them you know 15 to 30 minutes. And and so I was out, I was moving around, I was standing there while the you know the, the truck was filling up that was good break for me and i can get moving again so you know that that actually may help safety and that people won't be pushing themselves to get to that seven and a half hours eight hours before they stop give them that flexibility to stop and and do different things but i think the bigger thing may be and this ties in with what we talked about on the on the hearing going on today with congestion is if we can give some drivers a little bit more flexibility about pausing their day mm-hmm. um, and avoid going through, you know, Atlanta, Chicago, uh, some other other major metropolitan areas in, during the rush hour periods, um, but still have that 14-hour, you know, clock that can be extended a little. Again, they won't be driving any more than they were before. They won't mm-hmm. be working anymore. But if they can shift their day a little bit to avoid that congestion, I actually think that's safer for everybody. All news, all the time. Now, back to Road Dog Trucking News with Mark Willis. Drivers, the president, CWO of Crete, is on the phone with me, Tim Ashoff. And, Tim, thank you, sir. Always good to chat with you. I do want to get the uh, social media sites, websites out there, phone numbers, uh, where folks can find you guys at Crete. Where can they reach you? Sure. You can call us at 800-998-2221 or find us out on the web at com. Certainly we have a Facebook page there too, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. We're, we're out there in many different avenues. So if, you, if you're looking for us, you should be able to find us. Okay, very good. All right, let's go to Danny, who's been holding in uh, the state of Indiana. Hey, Danny, welcome, sir. You're on with uh, Tim Ashoff with Crete. Uh, what do you think about the FMCSA's five proposals? How, do, how would you rate them? rate them uh, for down here in lower 48. I would say they're not a bad idea. They need to do a little more tweaking. I do a lot of cross-country border 
or across border freight and up into Alaska, and I prefer the hours up there a little better than I do down here. Okay, very good. And, uh, Tim, I've heard the same thing, that uh, there seems to be a lot more efficiency in the Canadian hours of service. Can we maybe take a page out of their playbook? How do, how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I, I think the uh, FMCSA has been looking at uh, different uh, countries, different systems. You know, from my discussions with them is, you know, in their rulemaking process, they really have to have some data to rely on anymore um, in order to, to meet legal challenges and their rulemaking requirements, the Office of Management and Budget requirements. So if if there's data as a result of, of the Canadian rules that would support adjustments, I think they've been willing to, to look at that. You know, one of the things to keep in mind, you ask for, for a grade on these, uh, whether it's an A, B, C, D, or F, sure. uh, I think in some ways we're just happy to have something to grade because it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> the FMCSA could be doing nothing, and that would be uh, that would be even worse. So, absolutely. And Danny, thank you for that phone call. And I think when you talk with the individual drivers out there, I mean, obviously you're going to get uh, so many different schools of thoughts about how it's going to impact them from the regional run, uh, maybe the short haul, long haul, drop and hook. Uh, all of it's got to be got to be factored in uh and and from the different elements of what you guys do within in within the organization uh is there universal consensus this is going to be a good thing or a flat no this shouldn't be changed at all uh i would imagine the response has been very it has been somewhat varied, but I think as the drivers more look at the rules and understand how they actually impact them and their operations, they are seeing the benefit. And so um, as we're getting the understanding out there of, of what these changes mean, how it will impact them, you know, and, and this in particular with the conjunction of going to the, the I'll call them the, the fully operational ELDs, you know, in December yep. of this year, everyone has to be off the AOBRDs and get to the ELDs and some of the, um, you know, some of the limitations that that places upon a driver um, and obviously doesn't change the hours of service rules themselves, but how their ELD works will be a little bit different. So seeing then the, the flexibility this provides in conjunction with being at the full ELD, I think they see the benefit um, more than than any negatives of these suggested revisions. I know you are quite active in getting out and talking with drivers and talking with customers about things that are uh, that are going on. Have they offered uh, any feedback? Do they have questions about the uh, tariff story that we often hear going on between Washington and uh, Beijing? I know a number of tariffs are going to be hitting trucking and transportation industries, you know, especially in the areas like chassis and equipment and other and containers and things like that. What are your drivers saying about this? So for our drivers, for the most part, it's really, you know, how is it going to impact me? So, you okay. know, what will this do to business? What this will this do to freight overall? What will it do to our customers? And, and you know, it's a little bit like I was talking uh, about the recession news before. Um, you know, for our customers, and just to, for those of you who don't know, we haul mostly consumer packaged goods and, and food stuff. So anything you'd buy at, you know, at Target, Walmart, uh, those retail outlets, that's our core business. So we're talking about a lot of those types of uh, customers that are, you know, companies that supply those types of stores and, and then those retailers themselves. And, yeah, tariffs could hit a lot of those products, but what they've been seeing so far is they haven't really seen the impact of it. Um, some supply chains have shifted. Mm -hmm. uh, I was with a, a major retailer here not too long ago and said, look, the, the U.S. buys TVs from Mexico, China, and South Korea primarily. That's that's just where they're made today mm -hmm. uh, for the most part. And what they're seeing is as is, is, is tariffs uh, may go up on, on those types of electronics, 
Well, we're getting more from Mexico and less from China because uh, quality is, is similar, uh, but price will be different, and so the consumer is adjusting to um, um, to the to the similar quality but at a different price. So it's changing the supply chain in that now it's not an import necessarily from China. It, it may be an import from Mexico or, or some other place. So um, I've actually had a lot of discussions with customers where they're they're more uh, following, hey, we're going to get the new NAFTA bill passed yeah, here yeah. In, in the next month or so than, than things with tariffs because Canada and, and Mexico are still our largest trading partners. Yeah. And, oh, we're talking about to the tune of billions and billions of dollars who uh, that are, are moving across the uh, borders out there. Do you get a lot of feedback from your drivers about uh, the autonomous vehicle bill? I mean, where Congress is or isn't on the autonomous vehicle bill. A lot of press about these things that they may uh, reduce the number of jobs or the level of experience and professionalism currently needed. Uh, what what say your drivers about that? So I generally hear, hey, but, you know, is this real and will it impact my job? And, and yeah. if so, when? Uh, and, you know, so which is are all very valid, valid questions. And certainly uh, for us as a business, something we need to be making sure we're staying attuned to as well. And, and you know, we stay really pretty close to the to the manufacturers of these vehicles. And, and from what we're seeing and what we're, you know, hearing firsthand and seeing firsthand is, you know, we are, uh, for an over-the-road industry in particular, we're a long ways off from having – an autonomous vehicle out there taking, um, you know, any driver's job at this point. Um, you know, there's some some places where they're being tested. There's some places where it would be more likely to happen. So, say you're in a in a port, for example, or you're in a yeah. confined area, and you can move cargo containers around and and not. But you know, an over the road or city driving, it's, it's there's a, there's a lot of technology advancements that would need to take place. Uh, and, and you know, one of the things I always think about and talk to the drivers is you know. There's been autopilot in the aircraft industry for decades, uh, but yet every time I get on a plane, there's two pilots in there. So uh, these systems have limitations, and there's times where, um, you know, that human interaction is needed and need to make decisions. So that driving job may evolve over the next, you know, 5, 10, and 15 years, but uh, I don't see a driver out of the truck for a long, long time. I know you get out and talk with shippers quite a bit. Uh, Are they weighing in? Uh, with you as far as uh, the technology, with the autonomous vehicles, the workforce uh, situation involving younger drivers crossing state lines. I know that is being uh, hotly debated right now, the 18 to 20-year-old driving market. Uh, what are the shippers' responsibilities with with all of that? Think about that for a minute. I've got to break one more time uh, for some uh, weather and traffic. Uh, drivers, jump in. Love to get you into the mix uh, with my guest on the program this hour, Tim Ashoff, the president and CWO of Crete. And uh, we've covered the waterfront with top news stories, the uh, subcommittee on highways and transit, uh, hearing on pricing and technology strategies underway in D.C. We're talking about the FAST Act, the Federal Excise Tax Coalition sending a letter on to members of the Congress expressing uh, concern about that tax and what it's doing to the cost of business, the hours of service, and also about uh, the FMCSA's role when it comes to rulemaking. If it's trucking, then it's news. Back to Road Dog Trucking News with Mark Willis. Jim Ashoff, my guest this hour on the program, ladies and gentlemen, the president and CWO of Crete Carrier. Tim, uh, what are your thoughts about what I was mentioning going into the break? A uh, lot to consider there. 
There is, and certainly, uh, you know, customers are really looking at technology in a lot of different ways across the whole supply chain. I mean, you mentioned earlier uh, with Dan, the, the automated warehousing. Uh, I was in an automated garment and shoe warehouse here about three weeks ago, and it's amazing the technology that they're seeing there. So they're expecting to see that in other areas as well. So, yeah, they're interested in what's happening in trucking. Um, and I think what we're really seeing as the next step in, in how we create some real efficiency is, is a lot of the visibility uh, technology we're talking about, meaning visibility through the supply chain. So, for example, we're working with one of our customers that's saying, hey, let me see where your truck is at in route and when it's coming close to my um, DC so that I ensure that I can effectively process your driver through the fleet or through our DC timely. So get them in, get them out. Uh, and by knowing when mm-hmm. your truck's going to be there versus a truck before it and a truck after it, I can stage my workflow correctly and we can move uh, drivers in and out and be as efficient as possible. So uh, beyond autonomous trucks themselves, there's technology that's advancing um, yeah. that can help that supply chain and certainly you know help drivers be more efficient. All right, let's go to Gary in Tennessee. Hey, Gary, thank you, sir, for waiting. Question or comment for Tim? Hi, uh, yes, sir. Thank you for putting me on. I just got one quick question. Okay, yeah. I've been doing this since 2012. Okay, I've been on ELDs basically since they came out, in my opinion. I've had to operate off paper log periodically. All right, but now I'm on this new ELD that states when I hit five miles an hour, it puts me on drive time. Yes, I can. I can't even go around the customer's lot without screwing up my time. It's taking production time away from me. So I'm at, my question is, is what's the benefit with this new ELD? Okay, very good, Gary. Thanks, Tim. What are your thoughts here? So I, I think you're correct in your, your analysis there. Um, certainly uh, the, the ELD didn't change what the hours of service rules have been, but it's okay now it's saying how to record a driver's activities. And, and I will say that that's one of the things that uh, the FMCSA and, and some of the uh, uh, flexibility in the rules they've been talking about here in the listening sessions or otherwise, yep. conversations they are having is about the ELD and, and the interplay with that. And, you, you know, they, they have done some things where you can put yourself on a yard move, yep. um, and that is something that will still have you on duty, but it won't take away your drive time as you move around in, in that yard that may be more than five miles an hour. Now, I know what, what you might be saying is, is well, what if that inter- interrupts the 10-hour break that I was on, uh, where in the past, if I did a short, I think what the guidance has said, like a de minimis interruption of your break and move, that wouldn't stop my break. And, you know, some of the comments I've heard from the FMCSA folks themselves is that that's, the LD isn't intended to change that rule or that guidance. Um, so they have suggested different ways to, if you have that situation, um, you know, annotate on your e-logs mm-hmm. that that was a, a short interruption, a short move that didn't interrupt my break. But I, I, I say that saying all of you need to go out there and, and research those DOT uh, guidance and rules themselves. Sure. I'm not going to claim that I'm a DOT or FMCSA inspector <laughs> and tell you what to do. I'm just passing along some of the comments I've heard from the FMCSA and, and challenges that we face with our drivers. Okay, driver, great question. Thank you. And uh, I was as I was speaking with Dan Ronan, driver's at the bottom of the hour. He's at uh, logistics company DHL opening its first-ever innovation center near Chicago's O'Hare Airport today, and I am going to be on the road, as a matter of fact. Coming up on uh, October the 2nd, I'm going to be at the Mars Pet Care uh, Corporate Headquarters in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, So I'll be doing the program from there, and Tim is going to be there, of course. And, uh, Tim, 
Uh, I've got to imagine that a company as large as Mars Pet Care has got the same kind of warehouse efficiency going on as well, Uh, bringing in uh, computer-generated technology, robotics, if you will, to help them in uh, the efficiency of their operations. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, one of the things that everyone wants to try to do is is to be more efficient in their their supply chain. So it would be great to get with the the Mars team and and provide, uh, you know, your listeners some insight as to what the shippers themselves are doing and how they're viewing uh, the role of of over-the-road drivers like like all of your listeners out there and and trucking in general in that supply chain. And so it's great to have partners like uh, Mars and many others that that work with us to to help improve, uh, you know, our drivers' days out there. All right, sir great hour thank you for joining me on the program i've got about 30 seconds left uh website social media phone number one more time from creek yeah you can find us at creekcarrier.com find us out there on facebook and youtube and or give us a call 800-998-2221 we'd be happy to talk with you all right very good that's tim ashoff with creek ladies and gentlemen the president cwo uh talking about the headlines that you often hear about on the uh, program and on the channel